0: School is in session. This is Recruiting Daily's Sourcing School podcast. We're recording from HR Tech in Vegas, thanks to our friends and partners at GEM. Sharpen your pencils and get your sourcing pants on, because we have the scoop on sourcing news, recruiting tech, and all the hot topics that you need to learn about. Here's your professor, Ryan Leary, with special guests, Shelley Steckerl and Mike Batman-Cohen. School's back in session. And this time around, we are talking about analytics. Yeah, I know we talked about analytics before, and we talk about analytics all the time. But in particular, I want to talk about talent pool analytics, Mm. which is an interesting subject for anybody that's trying to figure out where their hires are going to come from. Maybe even where their people went when they left the company. So... With us today, we have a couple of guests from Public Insight, which is an analytics company that provides data for talent pools. Dan and Guillaume are here representing. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Shally. Thank Good you. To be here. All right, right. So tell me a little bit about what's happening right now with the information that's available about talent pools.
1: Well, I, I think that it's, uh, when we think about that workers are generally relocating, I mean, I don't mean just physically relocating, they're moving. I mean, so they're, they're going from something to something. Okay. And so when we think about talent pools, we don't want to just understand that they're going to take a traditional path. We already know from the last two years that they're taking very, very many untraditional paths. So we have to follow along with what those traditional you know what those non-traditional paths are, and kind of figure out what they're doing because that is, you know, that is where the markets changing. You I mean, have to understand, you know, the, the different paths that they're taking. And
0: that's so, in order it. to find out, or in order to find the talent, you need to understand where they're going. Right. And it's not the same as it's been for a very long time. It's it's changed very dramatically in the last couple of years. That's right. Perhaps exactly. because of COVID or for whatever reason, but it's definitely changed permanently.
2: What, wait, wait, wait. What, why can't I just take buzzwords from a job description and then put them into a social platform? What, what's wrong with that? To do what? To recruit? Yeah, of course.
0: Oh, yeah. But see, we're not talking about recruiting. <laughs> we're talking about mapping talent pools. Uh, so that's stra- a little you mean use strategy
2: instead of buzzwords. Yes, my brain Strate- yeah.
0: strategy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we've talked about this in the past, you guys and I, about the interesting pattern that's, that that's arising. But I, I want people to understand how different it really is and how non-traditional these paths are so could you give me like a solid example of a very unusual behavior that's that's evolving
3: sure um so one of the things that we looked at was education uh governments don't always adjust salaries as quickly as a market data and uh there's been a, a general attrition of teachers in the space and you know where are those teachers going? They're 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 skilled individuals, uh, but they're looking for better life uh, in terms of compensation or work-life balance. You know, not everybody wants to be at the school at six in the morning, uh, dealing with kids all day. So, uh, you know, they're going into like EduTech uh, and sales and, and some other areas like that, or moving. And uh, if you know any teachers, you might know it's a it's a discussion amongst teachers. Uh, and that's just one example. Um, Dan, I don't I don't know if you've in fact, any other uh, examples that are really good? It's to bring just up not there.
0: linear, basically. It's, it's the tradition of get going upwardly mobile in your career by getting a promotion into manager, director, whatever. What you're seeing is they're just moving laterally to another industry that doesn't even look like it's something that they, that they should be doing, basically. Well,
1: actually, I think, though, it is, um, there is some element of fitting in with what drives them. So, for example, Yan mentioned, you know, leaving education. Uh, the number one industry that education is moving towards is healthcare. So you know, and it, if you think about it, it's not that unusual. If, if you're really motivated by serving people, you know, and they're serving kids. Okay. So moving into healthcare, you know, it's it's not so much to relieve stress because you know going into healthcare is probably not going to relieve stress.
0: But no, if but if you're in healthcare and you're struggling for candidates and you're listening to this, you should be thinking, oh. I didn't know that. I should probably go look in education because they haven't been.
1: Yeah, exactly. Sure. So, you know, on some of the, you know, some of the, any, anything that's a service area, it's not like all of a sudden an extrovert becomes an introvert. You gotcha. Know, if you're an extrovert, you're going to probably go into another Other extrovert.
0: extroverted professions, but right. that's still not a linear path. So I was talking to somebody about the, what happened to all the healthcare workers, bedside healthcare workers that Um, apparently vanished during the pandemic because it was a significant number. In some states, it was as high as 50% of the talent was off the market. I I don't mean like switch jobs. I mean, left the job market or, you know, changed completely. And um, I always wondered, I I did an analysis with with some data and I wondered where they were going. A big portion of them stayed in healthcare, but left the bedside and another big portion um in the less skilled areas of health left for hospitality which i didn't really i didn't see that one coming like they they left the hospital and went to the hotel uh, apart from sharing the first initial um you know it, it's surprising so a, a tool like yours can help uh, people understand those shifts And it's not just the skill set, it's also like, what else? I mean, you've got compensation data, and this changes so frequently now that, you know, using the annual compensation report is really not, you're almost behind after a month or two from the moment you get that report, you know, two or three months into it, it's now completely obsolete. So you you are doing more than just getting uh, the BLS report that comes out every, I don't know, decade or whatever, right? You're doing more than that, and it's, it's real-time, it's surveys. Besides compensation data and these career paths, what else, what other types of information are available that we should be using?
1: Yeah, I, I want to maybe just piggyback on the example you had. So, uh, you know, we looked at, for example, um, a personal care aid, which is, I think, kind of what you were talking about, right? You know, when you said bedside to...
0: Bedside to hospital, hotel, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, we found that uh, we, we actually did this in a um, in a webinar we did uh, where a personal care aides in Florida were uh, believe it or not there were many more in Jacksonville than there were in like Fort Lauderdale. Huh. Uh, so if you you may be able to incentivize a a uh, you know again that's going to require a physical move, but you know just at the other end of the state there was a huge difference in supply so a lot of it might be uh, and then when you factor in like remote work uh you know obviously direct care is not directly a boat job but if you um if you are a uh we, we looked at almost like the the Mason Dixon line for computer support and you're looking at alternate pools you see like everybody shifted south so you might oh, change your strategy uh, I you know I found actually the number one Area of growth for computer support. One of them was Las Vegas. So you know, here we are sitting. Oh and, wow! You know, so would you, you, know, would you go after? Uh, I wouldn't know, have thought of support? that. Yeah. So, so because people like to gamble.
0: Yeah. Record. Right. So what? What else? Compensation, um, geography, migration. Uh, you know, job title migration, education. What? What other types of data?
3: So one other area that we're really focused in on is employer reputation. Um, it's really driving Uh a lot of the market, uh, people, um, they want to work for, you know, certain types of companies and they want to have certain lifestyles, uh, along with their work and life balance and that kind of stuff. Uh, compensation isn't necessarily the driving factor where people are migrating to and from companies. Uh, and industries, it's it's really it's a holistic job you have to,
0: satisfaction.
3: Yeah, exactly. But so, uh, you know,
0: why can't I just go to Glassdoor? Isn't isn't everything on Glassdoor?
3: Yeah, I Glassdoor has a lot of information. They're uh they're but, uh, a really rich source. <laughs> but here's the thing: so if you go to Glassdoor, you're gonna get like ten years of data in one snapshot. uh but You're not gonna know how that d- data, you know, two months ago differs from four years ago, and so you mm-hmm. can you can kind of time phase it and see these trends uh, and. It could be for sourcing, it could be a really good source of talent. Like, hey, this company had a really great reputation, but like the last three months are terrible. That might be some changes happening, and that could be a good company to uh, identify candidates from. Target companies that have a sliding reputation.
0: Yeah. Besides Glassdoor, what other sources of information about company reputation are there? The,
3: so we pull data from other sources uh, that are more DEI focused. So mm. uh, in her site and um, comparably. Uh, we also do Indeed. Uh, so between all four of those, we, we capture, I want to say roughly 100 million ratings and about 9 million reviews. And I'm, I'm going to guess uh, it's around a, about a year, year and a half long. And you know,
0: with uh, statistics brand. and any analysis, the, the, the larger the data set, the more likely that it's going to have insights that you can actually use. Right. If you just survey people in Jacksonville and try to apply that nationally, it's not going to work. So this this data set is important to sourcing and to figuring out where you're going to open your next IT call center and, and, and all that. So it's, it's planning, it's strategy. And retaining people. And retaining people. Tell me about that.
3: Yeah, so um, you know, it's hard to fill positions if you can keep your people. That's always a win because they're already trained. They're already in the organization. Uh, so if you can uh, get insights into what um, other industries and positions that are compatible with the, your current staff uh and you can see where they're going uh or what what you're up against in terms of the market that's going to give you a head you know a heads up in terms of opportunity what you, to fix yeah it. what you got to do to keep the people that are keeping right. your business afloat
1: yeah and if know. i could piggyback onto that is is a, a lot of um employers look at the Uh, the quantitative aspects. So they immediately default, and and I'm a CPA by background, so it's natural for me to think in terms of, hey, I got to pay more, right? And what we find is that most positions, uh, when we do opinion mining of reviews, compensation or pay is not even in the top five. So it's management, it's culture, it's environment. um, And actually, when people are... You know, providing their feedback on compensation more times than not, it, it's good, not bad. Hmm. So, uh, but when you talk about management, it's, it's almost exactly 50-50. So, oh, wow. So, uh, you know, but if you're an employer and you're looking at that and you're saying, gosh, what are the things that people are dinging me about on reviews? You know, it surfaces right up to the top. These are the subjects that are most important. But also from a, from a sourcing perspective, it's going to tell you what are the key things that are, that are, are important. Uh, so going back to the personal care aid, you know, again, because we looked at that, it might be that a personal care aid, you know, we're focusing in on the things that actually do drive them. So some stress is good. If you're driven that way, some stress is good. So trying to make it less stressful may not be the right thing because it's natural. Not if it. you're a personal care, and my dad just went through out of life, I know that's a stressful job to be a personal care aide. And, and some
0: people are just okay with that because they like to have that active environment.
1: Yeah. You're not going to change something
0: that. always going on. Yeah. But, but
1: the thing that they were, you know, forgive the expression they were bitching about on um, was they were, you know, the fact that their schedule was not, you know, sex or they weren't getting good communication. I mean, communication is mm. always in the top five. Mm-hmm. So, these are things that, oh, wow. yeah, so.
2: Okay. you know, you know, it's funny. I did a, a, a talk, uh, a couple months back. And there was a study that the MIT uh, Sloan School of Business put out, and it was like a year and a half ago. And it talked about why people were leaving their jobs, um, and it listed the top 10 reasons. And you'd mentioned this in passing. Do you know where salary fits on that list? Tell us. It doesn't. It's number 12. In terms of reasons for leaving, so people uh, are, those aren't the reasons why people are posting about, uh, most of the time about um, you know this this is happening this this is why I left. It typically is about things that like are are imminently solvable and fixable online. But if you don't have that data, you have no idea, saying, right? Yeah, how do you, you fix know. a problem you don't have? You right. don't know you have, right? Right. right. Yeah,
0: you know, and then the other side of that is, well, now that I'm leaving, I might as well ask for more money, but. I wasn't leaving for the money. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, might as well, you know, since I'm
2: leaving anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I compare that when, when we're talking to candidates and you talk to them like, oh, what's your reason for leaving? Like, oh, I don't want to commute into the city anymore. It's just, it's draining. Like, oh, everything else is okay. Like, yeah, it's all right. And you go through the process. And they're like, I'm actually interviewing with another company. And you're like, oh, tell me about that. Like, oh, it's in the city. And you're like, but they're like, oh, but, but it pays like $20,000 more. And you're like, but that's not. That's what you just said you, didn't, you, said you didn't want. You want to do that, yeah. that thing, right? But without that data, how are we, how are we assessing? Uh, we are just about out of time. Um, and uh, I like to end all of our podcasts this way. So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot, both of you. Uh-oh, buckle up. I know, yeah, good luck. Uh, okay. Uh, what is one thing you want to leave the listeners with, each of you? Um, that it, it can be about what we're talking about today. It can be about... Nothing we're talking about today it can be personal, but something that can hit them in the, in the head, the heart, the soul. What is it that you want people uh, to reflect on or feel um, when they're done listening to this podcast? I'll go ahead and get started. Oh, um, yeah. So I think it's really critical
3: for companies and candidates to kind of come into the marketplace. Uh, candidates need to be open about what they're feeling, what's driving them. Uh, and then companies need to understand how they're motivated, what's important to them. Mm. And when companies have the data, they can meet the candidates where they need to be met uh, so that they can focus on, you know, building a better business and, and having a better culture. And, uh, you know, that, that ultimately translates into better business practices and, and better client relationships. So.
2: So right now, if you're listening to this, you're probably smiling and or feeling like Heck yeah to that statement. That was a mic drop statement and do a little call out right here uh, on you. Um, and, and then to prove a valid point, which was uh, you were going to sit out on this one and, and kind of let Dan take this. And, and, and Dan was like, no man, you got to get in here. You got a voice. You got some important stuff to say. And so uh, I'm calling this out because a hey, great job, obviously you've done a great job here, but doing different things or uncomfortable things or things where you're not sure about the value you're going to add, That's where a growth happens and B also realizing like, you know what? I do have, I do have something to offer or some things in your case. So great job, man. I'm calling that out because like,
3: thank heavens you were on here. Oh, this was a great experience. I appreciate you guys having us. So yeah. All right.
2: Dan, you're not off the hook, bud. (laughs) Well, Guillaume comes
1: from the uh, staffing recruiting space. So uh, I don't, so he's, he's a lot more uh, up up to date. So mine's going to be much more woo woo, you know, uh, so I, I like to say that um, if you quote Isaac, I think it's Isaac Asimov, right? That I, I need to be a, not a speed reader, but a speed understander. Mm. You know, that's, that's really what, you know, even though we're in the data business, just throw data over the wall. You know, you have to use data critically. And that's really what he meant by that. You know, I need to be a speed understander uh, and not just be processing data. You know, we, it's so easy to go through the motions. Um, you post ads, you know, one of my favorite metrics is 40% of all ads during the height of the pandemic were marked as urgent. And if you actually did a study and actually looked at this, you know, in my spare time, right? In, uh, in the urgent, uh, you actually had less of a chance if you marked an ad as urgent of placing a candidate than had more of a chance. And, you know, it makes sense because you know, if I want to add more stress, I'm going to add, respond to an urgent life, you know, urgent post ad, right? But I'll have a sign-on bonus.
2: So we'll yeah. throw that. In. Yeah, was, uh, I, I love that, Dan. And and I, I'm a woo woo fan and a sci fi fan. So I loved everything that just happened uh, <laughs> just now. And, and it brought up an image for me around uh, what you said, thinking about typing. I, I type very quickly, right? And that idea of what is more important, typing very quickly or typing actual words that people can read without spelling errors cuz if you can type 80 words a minute but like 10% of your words are misspelled or 60 words a minute with wild proficiency what's better and i think i think you kind of nailed it right which is shoot for the actual proficiency of the thing not just the doing of the thing so Guys, thank you so much. I know it's crazy here. It's busy. It's loud. There's so much going on. You donated a, a solid 20, 25 minutes to us today. So uh, thank you both. We appreciate having you here. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you again soon.
1: Oh, man, that means it's over.
3: You've been listening to the Sourcing School Podcast live at HR Tech in Vegas. Sponsored by our friends at Jen. For all other HR, recruiting, and sourcing news, check out recruitingdaily.com.